Well, man, it is good to be back in the pulpit. And I'm going to overload you today with illustrations. So just be ready. And act like they're good whether you like them or not. <laughs> we're going to be going back into some familiar territory. Uh, we're actually jumping back into the cause and effect series. Because I believe there's some more we need to talk about. And if you haven't been here for any of that series, or you started attending here over the past four to five weeks, and you're wondering who I am, well, this is a series that we started uh, in six weeks about the cause and effect. The cause, what Jesus did for us on the cross. The resurrection. That should have an impact on your life if you're a follower of Jesus. Are you hearing me? It should affect your life more than just showing up at church on Sunday. Some of you Wednesday. It should affect every part of our life. In fact, Shane Pruitt said it like this. A Christianity that gets you into heaven while allowing you to continue living however you want to here on earth is a Christianity foreign to the New Testament. The real gospel, if y'all bring up that point for me, the real gospel changes who we are. Then it also changes what you do. It changes your identity and your activity. There are a lot of people that are just social Christians. They call themselves Christians, but there's nothing to back up their statement. Are you following me, church? And it should affect every aspect of our life, the way we treat people, the way we talk to people, the way you treat your waitress or waiter. Come on. I was a waiter. The, my least favorite day to wait on tables, Sunday, when the church people showed up. They were the worst tippers and the rudest customers. That, I mean, that's just me being honest. So if you leave here today and you go out to a restaurant and you're rude and you don't leave a tip, please tell them you're from Decatur First Baptist or Walnut Grove. <laughs> Some of y'all are trying to figure out if I'm serious or not. Um, but continuing in that vein, if you got a Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. If not, I'm going to bring it up here on the screen. But we're going to look at a relationship between Paul and his spiritual son, Timothy. And, and, and we're going to dive into this for, probably for the next couple of weeks. But starting with verse 1. Y'all ready? Oh, uh, come on. Y'all ready? You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to each other's. Join me in the suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Look what he says. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. In other words, Paul said, Timothy... Don't allow yourself to get caught up in Facebook arguments. Don't find yourself defending your political party more than you love me, love Jesus. I'm going to say something that's really not going to be popular. Despite popular belief, Jesus isn't coming back on a donkey or an elephant. He didn't come to choose sides. He came to take over. Amen. Ah, that's all right. Amen. Let's go on. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive his share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying. Think about what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember, Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Isn't it funny how the gospel is trying to be changed? Paul said, this is the gospel. Christ raised from the dead. 
a descendant from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point, I love this, of being bound, chained like a criminal. Look what he says. I may be chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. We disown him, he'll disown us. Look at this though. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. Keep reminding God's people of these things. And look what he says next. It's so good. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value, and it only ruins those who are listening. Man, that's powerful. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth, then he's going to double down. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it only become more and more ungodly. Now we're going to jump down to where we're really going to dive in. Verse 20. Paul says this. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes. One version says some are for honor and some are for common use. Now growing up, some of y'all will remember this. My mom always had, and even until she died, a china cabinet. Anybody remember that? Anybody still got a china cabinet? For those that don't know what that is, that's where we kept the good stuff, the nice stuff. That didn't come out except for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then if mom deemed somebody important was coming over and we wanted to impress. Come on, anybody relate? Now, we may not, you may not, anybody still got a, you got a china cabinet? I said, yeah. With those that don't, you still got the good stuff. That comes out for special occasions, right? You've got the good stuff. Somebody's coming over. And then you've got the stuff for if it's just you. Hey, if you're like me at my house, hey, let's break out the paper plates. Red Solo cups. Don't have to wash them. And if you're overeating with us and we serve your food on paper plates and Red Solo cup, you're considered part of the family. If you show up and we've got our nice stuff out, we don't know you that well. <laughs> We're trying to decide whether we like you or not. So, <laughs> some of y'all thinking, did we have the good stuff when we were over there? Or, But that's what a child, it, it, it's the good stuff. And Paul tells Timothy, hey, don't get tangled up in petty arguments. Don't get caught up in gossip, idle talk. Worry only about pleasing God. And then Paul goes into that odd passage. Hey, in a large house, there, there are items, articles, not only of gold and silver. And then there's items of, he's, we, I couldn't find a clay or pot, so got a little metal pot here. He says, one is for special purposes. The other one, for common use. He, uh, let me try to explain this. When he says common use, I'm going to try to say this with offending as few of you as possible. Um, no, out, no indoor plumbing back then. Uh, no running water. So let's say in Jerusalem, they go out that night to see Tennessee play. On the way back, they make a stop at Crystal's, Taco Bell, your choice, your poison. I prefer Crystal's. Uh, and then they get home and it storms, man, it's storming outside. The wind, I mean, it's, and, and, and suddenly that Crystal or Taco Bell 
It's starting to do its work on you. Are y'all following me? You're not going out in that storm. Where's a common vessel that I can use? You go over. Get that common vessel. Do your business. Put the lid on it. Have the kids take it out in the morning. (laughs) Paul says this. Hey, Timothy, listen. Two options. You can be this, the nice stuff, or you can be a crap bucket. Choice is yours. Choice is yours. And here, let's be honest. Some of y'all are saying, well, Kelly, this is what I feel like. It's where I feel like I'm at. Let me be real honest. There are days as a pastor, this is what I feel like. Come on. But here's the thing. You don't have to stay that way. Are you following me? I don't care where you come from. You do not have to stay that way. And if you're going to go from this to this, let's, let's read a scripture, verse 21. Look at this. Paul says, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be a vessel of what? And then he uses this word, what? Man, we don't hear that a lot, do we? Those who cleanse the latter will be a vessel of honor sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Sanctified. We... That's a word not used a lot in church. It would be considered offensive, I think, if we really began to use it. Growing up, I heard it used a lot. My Paul Goins, every time I heard him testify, this is how he testified. I don't thank God I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Every time. Not one time did he ever just say I'm saved or filled with the Holy Ghost. Is I'm saved sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Apparently that middle part was just as important to him as the first part and the ending part. I grew up hearing that word sanctified. Can I be honest? I never really knew what it meant. Oh, y'all did? No. And to be honest, a lot of people, even in church, still don't really know what it means to be sanctified. And Paul is making a statement here that is crucial to our walk. Paul wasn't interested in just getting people saved to pad his numbers. What he was interested in, he wanted people to fully surrender to their life and go into the sanctification process that would enable them to be who God created them to be. The Greek word that gets interpreted here as sanctified. Is the Greek word hagi hagi atso? Man, it's not gonna say that right with my southern accent. It would still sound Japanese. Uh, Hagi atso. (laughs) (laughs) Don't laugh too hard. Here's what it means. Get this: to set apart for God. To make a person or thing, get this, the opposite of common. Useful items, common items. Paul says the process of sanctification, it makes, it turns a person or thing opposite of common. Common. Be set apart. Here's what you need to understand when we're talking about sanctification. If you're taking notes, this is important. Sanctification is not about being changed. It's about becoming something entirely new. It's the movement of going from old to new, from going to a poop bucket to something useful. That's the process. Paul repeats this old and new, old and new throughout the old entire test, New Testament. Look what he says to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. 
He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your what? Come on, put off what? Your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the what? Put off the old self, put on the new self. Created to be like God. Look, look, 2 Corinthians, he says this to the church in Corinth. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Oh, new. Oh, new. Look what he says in Romans 12, too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed, interesting word. Uh, the, the Greek word that gets translated there is metamorpho. Anybody want to guess what English word we get from that? Metamorphosis. Here's the definition for metamorphosis. A change of the form or nature of a thing or purpose into a completely different one by natural or supernatural means. Paul says, don't conform, be transformed. Become something completely new. It's going to be, if you're going to be something other than a common vessel, it's going to require being sanctified, being transformed. Now, to give you a better picture of that, um, anybody ever been down to the Chattanooga Aquarium? Yeah, Denise and I, we used to have uh, uh, season passes down there when I think it was Josh or um, Elian and Ezra. They were smaller, and when they were, when they were living here, and we they've got this butterfly exhibit, and we'd go into that. And I feel so sorry for these butterflies, cause you got Elian and Ezra and all these other kids, <laughs> and these had to be losing their dang minds, you know. But you walk around, they've got, you can walk around, and in this glass, you can watch those butterflies go through the process. Go through the cocoon, go through the, it's, it's actually very fascinating. Now, before they're butterflies, what are they? Come on, what are they? Caterpillars. And you've got this caterpillar that comes out of this egg. When it comes out, get this, when it comes out of that egg, all it wants to do is eat. It eats. It eats anything that it thinks is going to satisfy me. It gets to a point where skin stretches. When its skin stretches, it sheds that skin. You know what it starts doing again? Eating. Eating anything that it feels like it'll satisfy. It eats. It goes through that process four times. On the fifth time, they eat so much, they make their over to some, way over to some tree or branch. And they want, man, I'm so full, I want to take a siesta. And they go on this process called chrysalis and end up in this cocoon. Bring up that picture for me. Here's the full process. This is where they start. And they end up in this cocoon. Now, that's a pretty big caterpillar to end up in something. That would be cramped space. I would assume. Come on, anybody else? I mean, the, anybody else? My, my wife tells a story about how her brothers, they had this flat, what was it? Foam rubber. And they would talk her into every time, knowing what they would do to her, land, and they would roll her up in it <laughs> and not let her ass like a big Denise cigar. <laughs> but I don't like being like this. Anybody else? You ever wonder what it would be like to have to be in a cocoon? No, I have. So listen. So now let's let's see what it's like. Oh, oh let's don't camp a lot. So well, at all. <laughs> to me there's nothing exciting or fun about going out for a few days and pretending you're homeless. Um, but let's say I'm going to go into this cocoon. Oh, man. Woo! I got a little hole because I got to be able to see get out of here. 
is going to mess my hair up. Um, it goes into this Cancun. In this cancun. <laughs> into this cocoon. And it just sits there. And then you know what? The, the, uh, if you study this, the butter. Can you imagine people that are watching online that just tuned in? Um, if you, it does not like being in the cocoon. Why? Because it's tight in here. It's hot in here, and it'll begin to fight. It'll be going to go through this process of, man, I do not like this. I've got to get out. Here's what, understand this. This is so interesting. Let me get my little peephole here. Oh, it's cooler out there than it is in here. Um, if I do pass out, act like it's in the spirit, and revival will break out. Um, but it does not like being here. But when it first goes into this cocoon, it only has 50 cells. When it goes into this, what happens then is this slime begins to cover it. And it goes from having only 50 cells to 50,000 cells. And the process begins to take place. It's uncomfortable for it. It doesn't like being in it. it. It starts fighting the process. I don't like this. Let me out. Get me out of here. And then before you know it, it, it takes about 12 to 14 days for it to go through this process. <laughs> then after about 12 or 14 days, something happens. It gets the strength to fight itself out. <laughs> My goodness, I've got wings. Woo! It comes out there. When I went in, I was ugly. I was crawling around everywhere. Now, and it starts to stretch your mouth. It starts, oh, let me dry them off. Let me get them out here a little bit. <laughs> this guy's over here got his phone out. And it goes from just crawling, being uncomfortable, being in a place it didn't want to be. But when the process took place and it was willing to stay in there, it came out able to fly. That is the process of sanctification, guys. That's the process. We must be willing to stay. In the process, stay in the chair where God is doing something. The funny thing about these monarch butterflies, they, they, they wake up, they come out of that, and they emit, these are primarily in the northeastern U.S., Canada. The moment they are able to fly, they head to Mexico. Why? Because even butterflies don't like it up north. Uh, <laughs> Come on now, that's funny. You're only offended if you're from the north. Anyway, let's move on. So, then there's some northern here that that's true. That's why we're here. Um, they fly to Mexico. They've never known how to fly. And they're like, what do we do? Viva la spring break. Let's go to Mexico. And here they head. See, here's the thing. They're brand new to this, right? They've never done this before, never known it before. And, and, and they decide, hey, we've got to leave where we were born at, the situation we were born into, the place we were at, and we've got, because I know something greater is across this, and they take this 3,000-mile trek to central Mexico, where over a hundred million monarch butterflies will come into this city and they'll throw a celebration for it. Now, here's the thing, guys. Somewhere in between them being in the cocoon and them finding their way out, something developed inside them. Strength developed inside them. 
endurance developed inside of them because they chose to stay in the process. See, I, I was born in a good home, really good home, to really good parents. When, when people say, oh, I was at church every time the doors opened, we literally were. And even when it wasn't because mom and dad had keys. So we were there all the time. I grew up believing in Jesus. I grew up seeing a Christian mom and dad live out the way life was supposed to be. I grew up seeing a great example of what a dad looked like. I did. Bob spoke last week, and I'm not saying anything that he didn't. Bob came into this world as an afterthought. Wasn't supposed to be. And I called him yesterday. I said, Bob, how would you describe growing up? Your family life. He said, broken. Not where mom and dad were divorced. Just a lot of brokenness in my house. In fact, if you've heard Bob talk about this, he pretty much raised himself until a family in this church took him in. Took him in. And, and here's the thing about it. Whether you grew up in the best environment or you grew up in a broken environment, what you do after that is your choice. Amen. See, I have no problem. When, when somebody says, I was just born this way, and they're usually talking about sexual nature. I was born as a... You know what? I don't even have a problem with somebody saying that. Because we were all born sinners. We're all born sinners. We were all born caterpillars. But that was not the full intent of our life that God had for our life. Maybe that's how we were born, but that's not where God intended us to stay. Like the caterpillar, yes, it was born a caterpillar. Yes, it was born trying to satisfy, but God said, no, I've got something different for you, but you've got to stay in the process of this. Man, whatever your situation is, whatever your background, wherever you came from, that may be how you came into this world, but that's not the purpose the Creator gave you. There's greater purpose in your life. Man, Bob, Bob had talked last week about a painful moment where he had some major regrets about not standing up and about some things that went on. And he talked about surrendering and submitting to the, a painful process of sitting with me and talking things through. Can I tell you the difference between Bob and the guys he was running in at the time, with at the time? Bob chose to stay in the transformation process. Uh, yeah. These caterpillars. Are we still talking about caterpillars? Yeah. So. Here's the thing. Where you will be a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, it's totally dependent upon your willingness to stay even when it gets uncomfortable and even when it's painful. These butterflies begin to make this 3,000-mile trek and it takes them somewhere between 40 to 50 days to fly to get to Mexico. Well, what are butterflies? When they stop and rest, what do they usually rest on? Flowers? What are they doing with those flowers? Pollinating. Spreading seeds. So that those flowers can grow even more. So that others can grow even more. Stay, stay with me. These butterflies that just came out of this metamorphosis stage. They had become something entirely different, new. They head to Mexico where a hundred million other monarch butterflies will descend on this village. And from there, from, from the cocoon to Mexico, they're making this trek. 
And they're stopping, they're spreading seeds, they're pollinating, they're trek, they're going. What does that sound like to anybody here? The gospel from the time we come out of the cocoon of God's grace till we get to where we're going in the end, our whole thing should be spreading seeds, pollinating, let people know our grace story. the gospel where we go from living a life where we're devouring eating anything and everything that we think is going to satisfy our need until we finally surrender to the process of sanctification and we become something entirely new we go from being old to new we've been given wings in the process we don't you don't have to crawl around anymore guys are you hearing me you don't just have to eat whatever's in front of you anymore you can fly you were born to fly maybe it didn't start the caterpillar didn't start out that way but it was the whole purpose of that caterpillar was to fly to fly So how do we get there? How do we go through this metamorphosis state, otherwise known as sanctification? And I'd be lying if I told you I had this down, and I nail it every day, but truth is it's a process. Step one, if you're taking notes, flee. Learn to run. Learn to run away. Go back to Timothy 2, verse 22. Paul tells Timothy, flee the evil desires of youth. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Flee the evil desires. That word flee literally means to run away, to vanish, escape. In other words, do whatever you can do as quickly as you can do to get away from that. Easier said than done, right? How many of us, we know what we should do, and we don't do it? How many know? And this is, this is a tricky part of addiction. We know what that's going to do to our lives. We know how we're going to feel afterwards. Yet we still do it and I find so many Christians I, right now I've got a group of guys that uh, uh, I'm not going to tell you what Brent calls our group uh, but it's four or five of us guys that need to lose some weight get healthy and I, <laughs> I'm thinking about your name for a group and it makes me laugh anyway um, but I, I see Christians will point fingers at the addict and others of their sin, whose sin is really different from their own sin. Are you following me? Yes. And their thing is, why don't you just stop? Why don't you just quit? I could ask you the same thing. Around the fourth time of your go around at the Golden Corral buffet. Because if we're honest, if we could just quit and we had a rule over our body, most of us would be 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds lighter than what we are right now. Come on. I watched this play out in my mom and dad's life where the doctor, especially my mom, the doctor say, don't eat this. You've got to stop eating this. You've got to stop doing this. Okay. And then she'd go back. Why? So, so my whole point was this. Don't just point fingers. Because you're in the same boat that we know what we should be doing. We know what we shouldn't be doing. And we still, even knowing, we still go back to it. There's something inside of us that says it's all about you. Told I me, my needs, my wants, how I can feel this. this how, it's all about me. And it's different from everybody. And for some, it's greed. 
For some, it's pornography. For some, it's addiction. For some, it's unforgiveness. For others, it's anger, hate. Whatever it is that has that hold on your life, that makes you think, if I can just get more and more and more of it, I'll be happy. But it never satisfies you. Paul knew it. Paul knew it was a dead-end cycle. That's why he says, flee from it. Get away from it. Stage two, pursue righteousness. Paul says, hey, don't just flee desires. Pursue righteousness. You got to have something you're pursuing, right? Come on, you got to have something. You act different when you've got a pursuit goal in mind. Oh, y'all still not getting it. Men, when you were dating that woman, you did things, you acted ways that you normally wouldn't act to try to, because you were in pursuit of that woman. Come on. Ladies, you did the same thing. You shaved your legs in the wintertime. Hit a little too close to home there. Let me back up. Let me back up. It, went, it wasn't no shave November. Here's what I found. If you don't have something you're pursuing, you'll get tired really quick. I watched, I was scrolling, which is a terrible habit. And there was this big kid running on a treadmill. And uh, he, was, he was getting tired. Well, here comes somebody, comes buddy, up to the front of the treadmill that he was facing, handed out $10. He ran up there, got there, went to coming. He's going back. He brought another $10. Why? There was something to pursue. And if you do not pursue righteousness, you will pursue something. And it will leave you empty. And Paul says, Timothy, flee, pursue righteousness. Flee that. Pursue righteousness. Let's, let's move on. Stage three. Trust in God's faithfulness. Um, let me. Here's a painting I asked Candace to bring. It is, it's unfinished. And she told me to let y'all know it was unfinished. And um, when I look at that, no one, see, I've known Candace and Paul for around seven or eight years. She is a creative director. She designs our stages for our dramas, for, for a new sermon series. She is creative. I've watched her do some crazy things with, and wonder, how did you do that? So when she brings me this painting, I don't look at that painting and go, what the heck did you bring me? Why? Because I know that the finished product is going to be good. I know this is unfinished, and I trust Candace enough to know that when she's done with this, it's going to be better than I can imagine. When I give her, when I say, hey, here's a series we're doing, I don't, I don't even come and check up on Candace because I trust the Creator. Here's what I'm saying. Some of y'all feel like an unfinished canvas, an unfinished picture. And what you've got to learn to do is trust that the creator who started something in you will see it complete. He's not done with you in any shape or form. He's still working. See, that's why I guess I'm big on grace. Because I know when I look in the mirror, all I see is unfinished work. All I see is something, God, what are you even doing using this? And so when I see guys like Brent, I don't see the jacked up Brent. I see the brand that God is working. It's already started painting. And I can't, I can't wait to see the finished product of what God does in him. 
When I look at Bradley and Erica, I don't see two addicts that found themselves, one in jail and one doing this. And I see two people that God brought together and then he began to do a creative work in them. And it's not over yet. I when God messes with you. Cindy, what? What's your, I forget your name. What is it? Kristen. God says to tell you, quit living your life. Like a, quit living your life like a crap bucket. No, I'm serious. Because this is all you think you're worth. You've given yourself away. You've done things. And God says, quit acting like this because you were meant to be useful to God's kingdom. Listen. People that know me, I don't do that, but I felt very strongly. And I'm going to tell you, God is saying, get your stuff together because he's got a purpose for you. Are you hearing me? Listen, the God that spoke the world into existence. The God that said, let there be light, and there was. The God that created the flowers that we look at. The God, the God that when you drive across Watsmore Dam and you see that sunrise and the beauty, that's the same God that created you. Yeah. Isn't it easy, though, for us to look at somebody else's life and think, wow, God. Wow, look what you've done in them. And then we dismiss what God has done in us and what God is continuing to do in us. Let me show you something, 1 John 3, 2. And if I could get Easter to come on out. Beloved, look at this. We are God's children right now. However, it is not yet apparent what we will become. But we do know that when it is finally made visible, we will be just like him. For we will see him as he truly is. We're God's children, right? Right? Even with our struggles, we're God's children, right? Even with our failures, we're, God, we're God's children, right? However, it still isn't apparent to what we will become if we stay in the metamorphosis process. See, becoming a Christian is not the end game. Getting saved, getting out, that's not the end game, guys. God created every one of you for a purpose, with a purpose, on purpose. And the problem is most of you have been living your life as a caterpillar, crawling around, just existing, just to live and thinking that's all you were made to do. And God said, no. You were made. You were born to fly. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you did before you walked through those doors today. You are created with a purpose. For purpose. On purpose. Let me just give you this last fill-in because if you're, I know some of you, if you don't get that last fill-in, fill it will drive you crazy. Lean into his love. See, I don't know what's going to drive you into that cocoon place, that metamorphosis state. It could be different things. It could be, I, I saw it happen this past Friday. We had an overwhelming people turn up from this church to say the Lord's Prayer at a ball game. And get this, 90% of them didn't even stay for the ball game. They paid their $8 just to get in, get to come in, and during that moment of silence, say the Lord's Prayer. Why? Because there was something that fueled a passion that says, no, not today. You're not going to decide when we can pray. You're not going to decide who we can pray. 
and we weren't the only church represented there. So I don't know what it is that's going to drive you to that moment. I tell you, one of the greatest things I saw, even after the Lord's Prayer, was the Mennonites are standing by the fence. Three Meigs County players, I don't know their names, came over and left the rest of the team. Came over about 15 yards from us. All three of them kneeled down and prayed. I don't know what it's going to take. What, what, what's going to drive you to that place? Could have been a trip. Could be a tragedy. Could be a doctor giving you a bad report. Something happening to your family. Could be those divorce papers that you got served. I don't know what it is, but whenever it happens, you've got two choices. Lean into his love or run. That's your choices. Here's something interesting about caterpillars. Scientists say that there's this cell inside a caterpillar, caterpillar that goes unused until it hits the cocoon stage. And that unused cell, that for its life up to that point that was unused, it is the very thing that expands and causes the transformation to take place in the caterpillar. Here's what some of you, you've got your wings, but yet some of you still choose to crawl. And some of you need, here, here's how some of you, your wings, you need to use those wings to begin to share the God story in your life. I'm, I'm so excited about our fall series. I love the bar. You're going to hear stories from people in this church that their lives were and they were just going nowhere and God damn you're going to hear stories of reconciliation and marriages how God worked you're going to hear stories of addicts that were delivered you're going to hear of healings that took place and God does that to give us wings that we can share those God stories and begin to plant seeds for people that could say, if he did it for them, he can do it for me. If God can deliver and save Brent Madrin, he can do it for me. Come on. I'm telling you guys. Stand with me. Stand with me. I, I've got more, but let's... God's want to move right now. If you're here, you don't even know Jesus. You've never surrendered to him. You've never surrendered your life to him. Today is your day. I'm not talking about you've attended church. You believe in God. No, I'm talking about the moment. You remember the moment when you said, God, I cannot do this. I surrender it all to you. If you've not doing done that, today is your day. I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads, anything like that. But if you say, I want, I want that journey to start today, raise your hand. Come on, I want to pray with you. Yeah, in the very back, yeah. Anybody else? We're going to go through a couple different things. Some of you say, okay, Kelly, I'm going to be honest. I don't like this stage. It sucks. It's uncomfortable here. It's painful here. And I don't like it. Here's, a, here's another interesting thing. I did too much research on butterflies and caterpillars. In the cocoon process, if you try to cut that butterfly out before it's time, it won't make it. Because it's not been able to develop the strength that it needs. And some of y'all are fighting, you've been fighting. I just want to get out of this thing. And God says, no, I'm doing something in you. I know it's painful. I know it hurts. I know it's uncomfortable. Stay there because I'm building something in you. 
I feel so strong. We've got people like that. You feel like, that's me. I'm tired of this. I don't like it. I wish I could run a million miles away. But I need strength to stay. I need God. I need God to show me and give me strength to just stay in this process. Fetch you, raise your hand. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. All over the place, yeah. Now, one last one. I believe there's here, people here, you feel forgotten. You feel overlooked. You feel like, hey, I've been in this thing right here and I've just been forgotten about it. God only, God, God forgot where he left me. You feel forgotten about, you feel like you're a nobody, you feel like you've got nothing to give. You feel like this is what your life is destined to be. And you just need to feel the presence of God surround you. You need to feel Holy Spirit reach his arms out, just wrap them around you and say, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still here. I know you feel lonely, but I'm still here. I know you've forgotten about it, but I'm still here. If that's you, raise your hand. Come on. Come on, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come on up. I'm going to ask the team to come on up. I'm going to ask Sheridan to sing this song that she did at the end. Give me Jesus. Whatever you raised your hand for. And guys, I want y'all to ask them, hey, what, what am I praying with you about? Whatever you raised your hand for, if you didn't raise your hand, you felt like you should. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to step out of that aisle. Make your way down. Sure. 